Good morning. I'm Dr. William T. Choctaw, and I will be your host today on the Healthy, Wealth, and Wise podcast. This podcast is part of our Leadership Masterclass series on having members of the public to understand and learn more about healthcare and other related issues. The whole idea is based on the fact that knowledge is power. And our plan, our purpose, is to impart what knowledge that we've experienced to pass it on to you so that it will find you will find it empowering and will subsequently use it to help yourself and those that are around you. Our subject for today is do you have heat exhaustion or heat stroke? And it's important to learn the signs and symptoms. So we're going to talk about heat exhaustion or heat stroke and have you to learn and understand the signs and symptoms. I believe knowledge is power. I believe life is about being of service to others. I believe leaders can change the world. As always, I'd like to go over an outline that we're going to have for our discussion today. Uh, as I said, we're going to talk about heat exhaustion and heat stroke and how uh, your knowledge of what this means and what's involved, the pathophysiology, if you will, uh, can help you and those around you uh, as you go forward. Uh, we're going to look at the scope of the heat issue. Um, we're going to look at um, the difference between heat cramps, heat exhaustion, and heat stroke. Uh, how do you make the diagnosis and how do you treat it? These podcasts are based on my 75 years of experience and my over 50 years of experience as a general surgeon in private practice. As I said, this is part of our masterclass series. And we started this series because we think that so many times we as individuals tend to be overwhelmed by circumstance, by the news, by uh, those around us. Um, and part of that occurs because we forget uh, we lose sight of the fact that we have a tremendous amount of personal power uh, that's within us uh, mentally, spiritually, and physically. And that by tapping into just a smaller part, or a larger part rather, of that personal power, we can mitigate a lot of the things that we go through and end up having a much healthier and happier life. Part of that ability to mitigate situations around us is tapping into the fact that in the present environment, we have access to much more information than ever in the lifetime of humankind uh, in the form of a handheld computer, i.e. Our, our smartphone. Doesn't matter which type of smartphone you have, um, but you have access at the tip of your fingers is my point. So anything you want to know, you can look up. Any question you have, you can look up. And, of course, that's been accentuated now by the fact that we have the um, artificial intelligence and the various chatbots that are part of our super ability to search online. So let's go into our topic. 
Regardless of which side of the argument you're on regarding global warming, global warming does exist. Now, whether you believe it exists to the point that we're to the point of almost annihilation or whether you think it's just a routine uh, growth uh, factor that's normal in, in, in our normal lives, the reality is it does exist. Um, and what we have learned is that over time, um, because of global warming, our planet is getting hotter. Our planet is getting hotter. Um, and as a result, we are dealing with maladies and, and illnesses and situations that we did not deal with before or have to deal with before. Now, you may ask yourself, well, why is this, Dr. Choctaw? What, what, what's changed? What, what, what's different? It goes back to appreciating what the human body is. I like to think of the human body as a, a, a super-duper computer. And as with any very, very highly skilled uh, entity, uh, it has to operate in a certain environment for maximum functionality. Let me say that again. For any maximal, uh, in any human body or computer uh, to get the maximal benefit out of it or for it to function maximally, it has to operate in, in the very best possible environment. And indeed, when we talk about things like um, heat stroke or heat exhaustion, what we're talking about is a change in that environment uh, so that the functionality of the entity, i.e. us, the humans, is not maximal. And not only is it not maximal, it ends up being a danger to us because we can end up losing our lives. So we're going to break down uh, heat-related illnesses into three very simple categories. The first category is heat cramps. The second category is heat exhaustion. And the third category is heat stroke. Obviously, heat stroke is the most serious, thus the term stroke uh, in, in, the, in the title. Um, so let, let's start with the, the, the most, with the least involved of these entities, and that's heat cramps. Now, all of us have uh, participated in sports, or we've observed sports where during the game or during the course of competition, someone will stop and have to sit down or lay down because they get a cramp. Uh, because they get a painful feeling, usually in their leg. And most of the times with uh, some some rest and relaxation and, and hydration, the cramp will go away or we sort of walk it off, if you will. Um, so for the most part today, we're going to concentrate on heat exhaustion and heat stroke. As I said, the heat cramp, basically, uh, we all experienced it. It's minimally... Um, um, difficult to deal with, um, and it's not something that we have to worry about a great deal. However, uh, its genesis is in the same area that can progress the more serious problems. So let's go back to the environment that we were talking about earlier. The World Meteorological Organization has reported uh, this year um, that um, July has been the hottest month ever recorded on Earth. Let me say that again. The World Meteorological Organization has reported that July of this year has been the hottest month ever recorded on Earth. What does that say? 
that says whether you believe that global warming is or is not a problem, our Earth is changing. And it's changing in a way or in ways that requires that we adapt faster and more efficiently. Uh, if not, uh, we will be in danger of, of illness and subsequent death. The temperature, external temperature, environmental temperature, that's most associated with heat stroke is usually 104 degrees or above. The temperature that's usually associated with heat stroke is an environmental temperature of 104 degrees or above. Now, let me caution you here. Just because it is 104 degrees outside does not mean it's 104 degrees wherever you are. Example, what if you're in a small room that does not have air conditioning and has poor ventilation? And we'll talk about this a little later. Uh, that 104 degrees um, can be less, uh, and you can still have issues of heat exhaustion or heat stroke. You may say, well, what is the normal body temperature? The normal body temperature is 98.6 degrees. Compare that. The normal body temperature is 98.6 degrees. Now, we started talking about how it was important for the body to be able to operate within a certain environment to have maximal functionality. That environment is 98.6 degrees, normal body temperature. So when you're in a situation where your body uh, temperature begins to rise, you are now in entering into an emergency situation from your body's perspective, mentally, physically, and spiritually. And your body then goes into certain protective modes um, to try to um, mitigate any type of long-term or immediate damage. So let me repeat that real quick. Normal body temperature is 98.6. If the ambient or the outside temperature reaches 140, uh, 104 degrees, 104 degrees, uh, you're susceptible to developing a heat stroke. However, if you are inside a room or a car um, where the temperature outside is not 104 degrees, you can still be in an area that you may develop a heat stroke or heat exhaustion. And we'll, we'll expand that a bit later as we go on. In terms of scope of this problem, I'm talking about heat exhaustion, heat stroke. Uh, the frequency of heat waves in the United States has been steadily increasing from two per year in the 1960s to over six per year per day. The frequency of heat waves, you know, you hear it on the news, uh, the weather person will say we're having a heat wave today or this week, uh, used to be about two per year in the 1960s. Now we're up to six per year in 2023. Extreme heat kills more Americans than hurricanes, floods, or any other weather-related emergency. My point is that this is a silent problem that most of the times we don't think of that much about. Um, and my intent here is not only for you to think about it, but for you to be educated so that you can take care of yourself, your loved ones, or those that you come in contact with. In Phoenix, Arizona this year alone, uh, 2023, in the summertime, uh, the temperature soared above 110 for more than 30 consecutive days. Let me say that again. 
in Phoenix, Arizona this year, summer of 2023, the temperature soared above 110 for more than 30 consecutive days in a row. So if you were to live in this area, you have to be extremely careful about heat exhaustion and heat stroke, because now we know that it's deadly. um, And we'll talk about who is and is not most susceptible to this particular problem. When you develop heat stroke, the ultimate cause of mortality is the organs, all of your organs begin to fail. Why? Because you've created an environment where they cannot function, and they certainly cannot function in the proper manner. Well, some of the contributing factors to heat stroke or heat exhaustion, other than the temperature itself, um, uh, include things like dehydration. Example, let's say you decide to go with your friends uh, hiking, um, but you didn't hydrate very well even before going on the hike. Now, this is regardless of where you decide to, to hike. Um, So if you start off dehydrated or not being properly hydrated, and then you put yourself in a situation um, where the heat is is extremely high or certainly higher than normal, you're increasing your risk of heat exhaustion or heat stroke. Um, If you're wearing heavy or dark clothing many times in um, an environment uh, where the temperature is very high, that can be a contributing cause. And also, if you're drinking alcohol, this tends to be one of the issues that we tend to ignore or not, not, not want to think about. But alcohol is not your friend. OK, it is not your friend. Uh, it affects many different parts of the body, uh, not to mention which uh, involving um, your ability to think clearly, to, uh, to think rationally, to make good decisions. Um, it also has other types of physical impacts on the body uh, where it 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 um, makes it difficult for your body to um, decrease its own temperature. In other words, one of the ways that the body protects us from uh, heat stroke and injury is the body has a way of lowering the body's own temperature. Um, things like alcohol or uh, drugs like alcohol inhibit the body's uh, protective ability and consequently results in you more likely than not um, in a situation where you would develop uh, heat exhaustion or heat stroke. There are various members of the population, as you might expect, who are extremely susceptible or more susceptible, if you will, uh, to heat exhaustion or heat stroke. Um, as, as anticipated, the very, very young, young children, babies, are very susceptible to heat exhaustion or heat stroke. So you have to be extra careful um, um, during um, times of, of high temperature to protect the young or the children. Likewise, the very old or the elderly are very susceptible uh, to heat exhaustion and heat stroke. Uh, And so you have to be very careful to make sure that the elderly are properly taken care of. Even if you're not elderly, if you're taking medications, certain prescription medications like for heart disease or hypertension, these can be contributing factors uh, to you developing heat stroke and or heat exhaustion. Why? Uh, Because some of these medications may be diuretics, which means that one of the ways that they treat your hypertension is that they increase you uh, going to the bathroom to 
um, to urinate, uh, to eliminate more and more water. Um, and so they remove water from the body to mitigate your blood pressure problem. Well, in the process, if you are physically in a situation where you need that water at that particular time, that can make things more difficult for you. So you want to be aware of, of those risk factors. If you're in a situation where there's sudden temperature changes, uh, but let's say you uh, we're, we're meeting meeting up with friends and you uh, go somewhere, maybe to a concert, um, and it's very, very crowded and you wear certain clothing that maybe are not um, the best or applicable for that particular environment. You want to be aware of that. If you have problems with obesity, uh, many times your body temperature may be more uncomfortable than others. So again, you want to be particularly aware of that. And another more subtle um, risk factor is humidity. Uh, now, we don't have to be meteorologists, uh, meteorologists um, but the, as the temperature goes up, sometimes the humidity goes up. Um, I, I learned very early on being um, um, a product of the Deep South that we had more humidity in the South than, say, one would see uh, or experience in California. And my point is that if you're in an area well, the temperature maybe is not 104 degrees, but it may just be 100 degrees and it's high humidity. That is the same because it increases your body temperature. So there are a number of different variables that you have to be aware of to protect yourself and those around you. And I'm going to suggest to you that uh, you sort of take the mentality as a physician and you think not only about how you can help yourself, but if you're out and out and about and you see someone who you think may be uh, in distress, that you also reach out and uh, be your brother's keeper or your sister's keeper. So let's talk about the signs and symptoms of uh, heat exhaustion and um, heat stroke. Well, obviously, uh, the body temperature increases. Uh, as I said, the normal body temperature is 98.6. Uh, but let's say if you were to have a thermometer on hand, uh, depending on where you are, and you were to measure this person's temperature, it's going to be higher than 98.6. And keep in mind, the body is designed to maintain that 98.6 um, um, level. So it's doing a lot of things uh, to try to keep that uh, uh, temperature where it's supposed to be. But obviously, many times the body can be overwhelmed if we put it in a circumstance uh, that it cannot um, um, uh, mitigate the problem. Uh, one of the other symptoms uh, of, of heat exhaustion or heat, or heat stroke is confusion. Uh, the person is there, but they're just not really there. And you're talking to them or they're saying stuff that doesn't make sense. And you're looking at them. Uh, and you aren't really sure whether they're looking at you or not. Um, these may, may be subtle signs of confusion. Um, uh, that may be either heat stroke or heat exhaustion. Loss of consciousness, obviously, uh, is a very, very serious situation. Um, many times individuals who have heat stroke or heat exhaustion um, may not be sweating. Certainly early on, the heat exhaustion stage, they will be sweating profusely. But many times when they get to the heat stroke stage, uh, they are not sweating. And this, again, is a very serious, a very ominous sign. Fast breathing, um, obvious, you would expect that. Uh, some patients may become nauseated or may even begin to vomit or may even have seizure. So basic bottom line, you start with hydration. 
always, 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 water is your friend. Okay. If you remember nothing else from this uh, podcast, remember water is your friend. Alcohol is bad. <laughs> All right. Um, and as we mentioned, uh, those of us who are at the extremes of age, either the very, very young or the very, very old, we are least able, uh, we're more susceptible, if you will, uh, to very, very high levels of heat um, and developing problems with uh, heat exhaustion and heat stroke. But how do you distinguish between the two? Remember, I said there were three main areas. We talked about um, um, the initial area of heat cramps. Uh, again, something that we probably all experience or certainly seeing, and that tends to be minor, and we can do uh, very minor things like just rest briefly, um, drink some liquids, cold liquids, and usually that will go away. But we're concentrating on this particular presentation with heat exhaustion and heat stroke. So let's let's distinguish between the two. Let's take the the less serious heat exhaustion. So heat exhaustion is more serious than heat cramps, but not as serious as, as heat stroke. Heat exhaustion many times is characterized by headache. The person may start, uh, uh, may begin to complain that they're, they're, they're beginning to get a headache. Uh, they will certainly complain or say that they feel thirsty. Uh, they'll want something to drink. They may be sweating excessively. Um, and you can just tell that by looking at them, where they're sweating all over. Uh, their temperature, if you were to take it, would be high. It would certainly be higher than 98.6. They may be nauseated. They may also, at the same time, have muscle cramps um, and difficulty walking or discomfort from that. Um, they may also be lethargic. They may be moving very slowly. Uh, very carefully, uh, low energy, uh, not able to to move around very, very quickly. These are all signs and or symptoms of heat exhaustion. Um, and, and you want to immediately address these issues. Now, let's turn to the more serious, the absolute most serious heat stroke, as the name implies. Uh, these individuals will be uh, breathing very, very fast. Because one of the ways the body is trying to compensate uh, for this high temperature is, is rapid breathing. Likewise, the pulse would be very, very fast. The heart is going to be moving very, very fast because it's quickly trying to get uh, good blood around to different parts of the body to cool different areas as best as it can. Um, uh, many times, ironically, individuals, when they get to this more serious heat stroke stage, they may not be sweating a lot. Uh, and that actually is not a good sign. That's a bad sign. So, again, if the person is not sweating and you know that they're, they've been overwhelmed by the heat, that really is one of the signs and symptoms that suggests that they're, made, that, that, that they're in an um, emergency situation. They may be dizzy. Uh, their skin may be dry um, and hot. Um, and they may be not lethargic, but in the process of going unconscious. They may be fading in and out as you're trying to talk to them. And as we mentioned, you want to be very, very careful of young children um, um, and, and babies or infants. Um, uh, their bodies are not equipped uh, to uh, deal with these extremes of heat or these extreme situations just because they haven't developed uh, those mechanisms as well, among other things. And so they're easily overwhelmed. Um, so let's say you're out of the park and you're reading your favorite book and you see someone 
who maybe has been jogging and you see them sort of go down. Um, and to you, they look like they're in distress. And certainly um, as a good Samaritan, go over to them and, and ask them if they're OK. If you have water, some liquid with you, take that and offer them a drink, uh, because many times that can be uh, life saving uh, for someone. One of the things I think is very important for us to do that we humans don't do very well is listen to your body. Your body is extraordinarily sophisticated, extraordinarily sophisticated, particularly at the brain and all the way down. And so when there's danger around you, your body will start to warn you. Your brain will say something like, you know, I'm just not feeling very well. Are you sure you want to go on a five mile walk? right now, um, you know, uh, your body will say, you know, I'm really sort of hungry. Uh, I want to get a bite to eat. I want to just sit and get a bite to eat. Listen to your body. Uh, your body is there to protect you. And so even though you have override potential uh, or uh, ability with your prefrontal cortex, uh, listen to your body because it really is trying to help. So let's 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 talk about treatment. Again, we mentioned it with the heat cramps. Uh, stop the activity, rest, um, uh, drink liquids, um, and allow the cramps to subside. And also, uh, in terms of treatment, uh, listen to your body um, and hopefully don't even go into the activity. But if you're there, uh, listen to your body and stop. If you're in a situation where you're in the most, where you observe what you believe is a heat stroke, again, not heat cramps, not heat exhaustion, but an actual heat stroke based on some of the things that we talked about, the first thing you want to do is if this person has just had a heart attack, you want to call 911. Uh, first thing you want to do, call 911 uh, as you're beginning to start um, uh, help and apply uh, some type of uh, mitigating therapy to this person. Have the person lay down flat if possible. Um, if you can, uh, have them to elevate their their extremities, maybe on um, um, something that you can put under their legs uh, just to get their, their feet elevated slightly. Um, obviously, if you have water or some type of cold liquid, you want to try to give that to them if they are conscious. Um, uh, if you can do any type of cooling measures, span or anything, um, uh, try to do that. If you have cold compresses, uh, something that you can, uh, a rag or something that you can uh, wet and just put around them, that would be helpful. Uh, if they're wearing shoes and socks, remove them. Um, and many times uh, uh, that sort of helps too, to sort of uh, allow them to sort of cool down. And so a lot of these things are basic common sense types of things. But again, um, I want to encourage you to intervene uh, as a good Samaritan uh, to help your fellow uh, brother or sister um, uh, to survive. So let, let's, let's sort of summarize what we've said. Um, to Beat the heat, if you will, to avoid uh, heat cramps, more importantly, heat exhaustion and heat strokes. Uh, first, uh, we want to know that it occurs in individuals who are very, very young and very, very old. These are individuals who are most susceptible. And I want to add a third category of, of people who are very susceptible to heat exhaustion and heat stroke. And these are men and women who work outside, who work outside, whose jobs require that they work outside of a building. 
Uh, they are exposed to the elements um, uh, six to eight to 10 hours a day, and are obviously much more likely than you and I who work inside uh, to, to develop things like heat stroke or heat, heat exhaustion. So the three main categories of people who are susceptible are children, older adults, um, adults who work outside, individuals who are taking medication, uh, individuals who are obese. Uh, and so certainly you also want to avoid alcohol. So where uh, does heat exhaustion occur the most? Um, again, if you are outside um, um, and um, in a crowd many times, um, that can be a problem, particularly if the temperature is over 100 degrees. If you're in a house um, where uh, the temperature may be just 80 degrees outside, but you're in a house or in, a, in a, um, a structure that has poor ventilation, and let's say with a lot of people, um, you don't have to, the, the, the environment doesn't have to be 100 degrees outside, because if you're in an area uh, if the environment is just 80 degrees outside and you're in a crowded house with poor ventilation, that temperature inside could be over 105 degrees. Let me say that again. If you are in a house that's hot because of a lot of people around you and the house is not air conditioned, even if the outside temperature is not extreme, meaning not greater than 80 degrees, your inside temperature, where you are in that house, let's say you're at a party or something like that, can be over 100 degrees. And the same effect occurs on your body. And many times, individuals who are in these crowded situations are also drinking. So you have all these factors that are con combining to put you in a serious situation physically and mentally. So please, please, please be aware of that. Um, go outside, stop the drinking, drink some water. And if you see friends uh, and, 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 and colleagues who are going through this, uh, certainly try to also assist them at the same time. One area that I really want to leave with you in, when you think about heat exhaustion and heat stroke is the danger of the automobile. Let me say that again. One area that I want to leave with you when you think about heat exhaustion or heat stroke is the car, the automobile. Um, you've all heard of the tragic situations of children being left in the car um, when it's hot outside and end up dying uh, because of the heat. Um, similar type things can occur with adults. If you are locked in a car uh, for some reason or um, uh, if, if you're in traffic and, and it's getting very, very hot and you have a lot of comorbidities, um, you just want to be aware of that. Uh, and to do those things you can to mitigate those things occurring. Take water with you always um, and do those things that can help you to lower your body temperature. In summary, climate change is obviously a contributing factor to the global warming that's occurring in our country and in the world. And whether we can agree or disagree about what the exact effects are of climate change or global warming. There is no question that global warming is a contributing factor in my judgment. The three most common issues involving heat and us physically tend to be heat cramps, heat exhaustion, and the more serious heat stroke. Uh, please be aware that water is vital to our survival and to our 
uh, maximal functionality, keep it close by. And I use good judgment in terms of activities that do not put us into situations where we end up um, uh, exposing our bodies um, to extraordinary amounts of heat, which, which can cause damage and danger and ultimate death. Remember, um, a heat stroke uh, is a much greater cause of mortality among us than we realize. And so we just need to be aware of the danger and so that we can still do our activities, but just do it in a safer way. Um, when you suspect uh, that you're being overwhelmed or a colleague is being overwhelmed by heat, stop all activity, rest, cool, and hydrate. Stop all activity, rest, cool, and hydrate. Uh, and if you're in a situation where you think the person um, is experiencing a heat stroke, please call 911 because uh, this is a life-threatening circumstance um, and uh, you want to make sure that person gets the maximum um, treatment uh, to survive. Knowledge is power. As always, I like to end with my basic principles. Uh, number one, principle number one, God is in charge. I am a physician of faith and it has been my faith in God that has sustained me over these 50 plus years. Um, um, and But for um, that, that faith, uh, I would not be here today. Um, second, no bad days. I don't have any more bad days. Um, I decided about 30 years ago that I'd had enough bad days. So I either have good days or great days, but I don't have bad days. Uh, next principle, I learned that don't sweat the small stuff and most stuff is small. Uh, that whatever I am worried about or whatever I perceived as being negative to me or around me is usually never as bad as I think it is. And so I keep that in mind so I can put it in perspective and not unnecessarily uh, mentally, physically, and spiritually um, um, go through things that are unnecessary. Uh, next principle, forgiveness is therapy. So whenever I'm in a situation where I perceive, where I perceive that someone has said or done something uh, that I find um, a negative, uh, I immediately forgive them. It does not matter who's right or wrong. I just immediately forgive. Uh, and I found forgiveness to be therapeutic. And my final principle is that everything is a relationship. Relationships are based on three things, mutual respect, mutual trust, good communication. If you have those three things in your relationship, you have a good relationship. If you do not have those three things, then you have work to do. Uh, please remember, uh, we would like to have you to uh, subscribe to these podcasts. Um, I go to your browser and put in www.buzzsprout.com forward slash 2101003. That's www.buzzsprout.com forward slash 2101003. And as always, be the change that you want to see in the world. Thank you. Have a terrific day.